Good evening. Today is Wednesday, March 29th, and we are studying the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter and step is step five into action, and our speaker tonight is Brian V. Thank you, Brian V. Hello. <laughs> this is Brian V, compulsive reader, anorexic, bulimic, exercise addict. Uh, can I be heard? You are heard loud and clear. Aha, yay. Um, the, I wanted to share a story. Um, when I was three, my sister was playing in the garage at the rafters. She fell head first into the concrete uh, that put her into a coma. Uh, when she woke up from her coma, it was at, it was at night, and the medical staff uh, someone said that she she asked what, what was going on and she was told that she was hit hit across the head by a baseball bat by her father, our father, um, which she told to other medical staff when it was the morning um, and that initiated a child protection services investigation on our household. Uh, I'm the youngest of four, uh, two parents, three siblings. Um, and I was around three years old. I don't know if I said that. Um, and the only reason why we weren't split up is because I had equal affinity with both my father and my mother. And so the psychologist or whoever was doing this investigation decided that whatever had happened was, was, was either not true or wasn't serious enough to uh, split the family apart. My mom is a school teacher at the district that uh, that I'm a part of, um, so she was really scared for a second offense. And so all throughout growing up, I was told whatever happens in this household stays in this household. Do not trust the people outside this house. Do not trust teachers. Do not trust classmates. Do not trust people on the street. Do not trust. Because if you say the wrong thing, it could mean the end of this family and you'll have to go into a foster care system and you don't want to be apart from us so do your best to keep quiet um and i share that on this topic of step five you know admitted to god to myself and to another human being the exact nature of all of my wrongs um and this program says in very stern language that if I don't, if I don't do this step, and if I withhold things, it could be the end of my sobriety and my abstinence. Um, and it's a very, it's a very serious thing. Um, and with my growing up, uh, I had the personality that was very honest. I had the personality that was very fearless. I didn't, I was very naive, innocent. Um, and I, I could strike up a conversation with anyone, complete stranger, and it would, you know, I'd be talking to this person for 15 minutes. My mom would be like, "What, what would you talk about?" <laughs> um, and so, all throughout childhood, I, I felt like I was a liability because I could never stay silent. I did everything that I could to silence myself. Um, the and so when this program talks about, you know, finding that person who you can confide with all of your deepest, darkest secrets and all of 
your inventories from step four and all your fears, all your resentments, all your harms. Um, like that was really scary. Um, and what made it even more scary was when I was nine, childhood sexual abuse happened between me and my brother. And in that environment where I wasn't allowed to really interact with anyone outside my household, and I also wasn't allowed to interact with anyone inside my household because I was the youngest. There's two two year age difference between all of us, and it was a really isolating experience to uh, be the reason why, why, like, if we were hanging out, something rough would happen, and I would be crying on the on the on the floor. And so it just became easier to not interact and to be pushed out of of my of what my siblings were were doing. And so when a, an opportunity for a relationship with my brother came around, I took it, and it was real. It was sexual. Now, in the context of be careful, what you say can split up this family, which my my parents still don't know what happened between me and my brother. Um, that now became really real. I actually had the power to destroy my my family of origin, um, and I took it and I I squandered it. Um, I, I suppressed it, and I shut it out of my memory. And that is the crux of, of my eating disorder. You know, anorexia is really good <laughs> at making me feel lightheaded. It's really good at the uh, neglecting personal needs. Um, and when the relationship ended between me and my brother, he called it off and then went to another uh, state uh, to go to college. Um, it felt like abandonment and I was being rejected and I didn't know why. Um, and so I, I put all that rejection and I, I put it into myself. Um, so doing a little bit backtracking, step four was really difficult. Someone probably already talked about this, but in my step four, I didn't want to look at my, my, my family of origin. I didn't want to look at my childhood. I didn't want to look at my past. I didn't want to look at my character defects. I didn't want to look at, you know, all the harms that I did. Like, that's the reason why I compulsively underage. So I didn't have to. I would be numbed out of existence, but there was this need to know my history and to know my food story and to know my origin and to know why I was doing all the things that I was doing. And it was really good, but there was so many memory losses. Um, and so I had to work through that. And I didn't do it the right way or the way that the big book outlines in, the, in, in chapter five. Um, where you have who, what affects why, the, the four columns of the, of, of the resentment inventory. Um, and that second column, what happened? The who, person, principal, institution, and then what happened? That's like 18 words. Round it off to 20 if you want to be genuine, gen generous. Um, and so I didn't do it that way. And I, I ended up writing a book on my inventories of what happened. Um, and I ended up scarring myself, uh, re-triggering my past, uh, past traumas and re-traumatizing myself. And I had to figure out 
how to do it appropriately and correctly in the way that I wasn't reliving my past. Um, and so that was really hard. And then getting into the space where I had to be honest about what happened. Yes, it was a relationship, but it was also me being taken advantage of. And I had to be very honest about like what my motives were um, in, in that relationship, what I was looking to get out of it. Um, and my, because uh, one of the things that anorexia did was it helped to take all of the instincts that I was looking for, like that connection with my brother, like there's a word in Greek that says phileo, brotherly love. And that's the word that describes relationships between friends. And my phileo was romantic. Um, and so in order to not have relationships with friends, uh, because that was really stressful, because um, I, only, I only perceived it as, uh, as sexual because that was what I was shown. Um, and so in order to keep myself safe, I had to cut myself off from every single person around me, which given that relationship inventory, um, the harms done that I did to others, I would cut them off before I, I, they even had a chance. Because um, I was so scared, I was so like, I, I had to live in isolation. Um, and so to look at those causes and conditions as, as the big book talks about, um, was really rough. Um, one, this is what coming to terms with, with my abuse and how it's affected me. And two, my abuser, like I didn't ever want to ju uh, judge or condemn uh, my qualifier. Um, and I had to work through that. And that was really hard. Um, and luckily in this program, um, I didn't have a lot to to choose from uh, as, as far as sponsorship went, but so grateful for my higher power. Um, because That's the sponsor 10 minutes, he, Brian. 10 thank minutes. you. Because the person that he decided to uh, have be my sponsor, um, has molestation is in her is in her story um and so i got to walk through step five walk through step four and walk through and and, and deliver step five um with someone who understood what it felt like um to be invaded uh to not have physical boundaries to not feel like i'm a person to be a uh an object for someone else's gratification um and i got to really work through those, you know, my parts. When you're dealing with trauma, especially with childhood trauma, my part becomes really difficult. And my part isn't that I let it happen. You know, when someone's pre-puberty and, and they're being interacted with someone who has a position of power, you don't blame the child, but I blamed myself. Um, and so I had to learn how to work through that. And my part is 
the devastation of my childhood is traumatic. And from that, my 10-year-old self that doesn't have a, 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 a frontal cortex that's developed, doesn't have the ability to actually make connections between causes and effects, um, wanted to understand why, what happens, why am I being rejected, why was I chosen in the first place, and now why am I being rejected, and how do I interact with all of this and keep my family of origin intact like all of that pressure that that nine-year-old ten-year-old self was was feeling and what he did with that was the only way that he could handle that and stay alive and so i get to look back at my step four through the lens of gratitude not gratitude compassion my apologies um, it ends up being gratitude, but it is compassion at this moment. Um, and say, I did the best that I could. And I picked up coping mechanisms that were the best that I was able to do in, in the environment that I was given. Um, the environment that said, don't talk, don't tell. Um, the environment that said, you know, you're not important your family is what's important and your peace in it um, is a privilege. So use it wisely because what you can say will destroy it. Um, and you better enjoy it. Um, and so the that, that compassion, understanding that these are defensive mechanisms, understanding why I eat compulsively, um, the, all the sides of my eating disorders, my anorexia, my bulimia, and my compulsive overeating, um, what those do for me. Um, the, the bliss of a food coma. I literally made life so unbearable that I had to sleep it off because I ate so much. And because I was a restrictor, eating so much wasn't actually that hard. You know, I'm not talking about 3,000 calorie meals. I'm talking about a 1,500 calorie meal that would knock me out. Um, it was very effective. Um, and in the structure between me and my sponsor, working through step four and then delivering it in step five, I got to have the network of compassion, the network of support, and the network of, of um, I see you, I believe you, and I'm here for you. Um, and that was so powerful. I, I, I did not know how much I needed that because that was the first time that I had ever spoken spoken about it, especially in the terms of like my pain and grief. Um, you know, my my inner child was screaming and 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 distraught on a good day. Um, and I could finally connect with that with, with, with that part of myself that, 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 that had nowhere to go. Um, you know, how do you silence a, a, a million screens? By writing a million inventories and, and working through all the things and, and being honest and, and, and accepting, yes, that was really hard. Um, 
five minutes remaining, Brian. Thank you. Um, and I just, I'm really, really grateful for this process, um, for the process of step four and the process of step five. You know, there's, there's the promise of the, the fifth step promises that say, I will look the eye, look the world in the eye and stand free. Like that was my freedom. It was, it was delightful. Um, there's also the pink cloud event that, that comes after that, that says, uh, you might feel like you are recovered, <laughs> that you do not have a problem. Beware of that. Cause that is really real. Like after the delivery of the step five and this, like this warmth and acceptance and this, uh, giving my deepest, darkest secrets and only feeling love and acceptance because of it, that is an experience. Um, and, and the step work says, and, and the book says, we, we rocketed into like further work um, with clearing out our, our, our uh, character defects and our harms done. Um, and I also wanna give a nice little connection to the traditions. I believe that the steps and the traditions are linked. And you know, it's very convenient that in tradition five, it says, you know, carrying the message. This step four and five work is just as beneficial for the person who's doing it as the person, as it is for the person who is receiving it. Um, and I don't want to discount that or, or make, make light of that. Because the person who's receiving it is standing on sacred ground. Um, and it is such a joy, such a delight to be that person for that, for, for your sponsee. Um, this is how we carry the message through step 12, you know, working with others. Um, after having a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we can't, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive eaters. And for that, I'm grateful for this, uh, for this process. I'm Brian. I'm a compulsive overeater, anorexic, bulimic, exercise addict, and a survivor of incest. Thank you for asking me asking me to uh, be of service at this meeting. Thank you so much, Brian. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or press star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? If the speaker's asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Hmm. John, go ahead. I'm John. I'm a compulsive overeater. I've spent more than half my life in recovery. I came in through the family of um, Al-Anon as, as early on. Um, Brian, thank you for your share. I appreciate your vulnerability, and I appreciate you talking openly about the uh, 
sexual abuse that you had in your family. Uh, I remember some years ago trying to talk a little bit about my experience around sex and how it connected to overeating and um, a couple of the women in the meeting got triggered and I was pretty much shut down and I left the meeting in tears and um, the whole meeting had to have a big clearing to sort all that out and it was very uncomfortable and I really never talked about it at meeting level at all so I appreciate your setting a little space for that for people to share whether it's a man or a woman or whatever but it, you know um, it is it is some part of my story as well um two stories i want to share really quickly uh, the first is that um early on when i was working the steps I, I i was working on my fourth and fifth steps and i made a list of separate list it's not from the big book i just had the idea that all the things that my parents taught me that were wrong um, that I had to let go of in order to recover. And I, I made a long list. I wish I still had it. I, I don't think I do. But I made a list of all the things that they told me that were wrong so that I could at least get them out of my head because I had tremendous trust issues around um, any authority figure, frankly. Um, and, um, well, I would say probably pretty much most men, um, I'll say on in terms of recovery, I've I've had the same sponsor for 30 years. So I, I have a trusting relationship with a man um, and he knows my story completely. But it, 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 early on, it was very hard to trust. And so I made a list of all the things I needed to let go of. And then I made a list of the things that I didn't know that I should have known, that they didn't teach me that I should have known. And that was really helpful to me to kind of organize my thinking. The other thing is, is that I'm now going through... Um, the steps again. Um, thanks, frankly, to listening to podcasts to this meeting. And then I started doing a very careful big book study. And I really appreciate this is not my home meeting, but I, I listen to you all, all the time. And uh, it's, it's, it's a very good meeting, in my opinion. Um, but I, I, I didn't know that the reality is that, um, you know, uh, the fifth step is not the place to tell my life story. And I'll say that the first one I did um, after nine hours, the person who was taking it finally interrupted me and said, it's like trying to drink out of a fire hydrant. And I, in my family, I was not allowed to talk or, you know, get limelight or, you know, tell anything about myself or my feelings or what had happened to me or anything. So I had a huge, huge backlog. But then, of course, um, a couple of years later, the first person I was really sponsoring started to do the same thing to me. And I didn't know any better. And after maybe 45 minutes or so, I basically said, just cut to the bottom line. What's the what's the exact nature of your wrong here? He told me what it was. Mental and reminder. Got it. Um, he called me up about two weeks ago to tell me that story, how helpful it was for me to have him get to the bottom line. And that um, was pretty amazing. Uh, he, he's, as far as I know, he's not active in recovery, but he found me and he called me up and told me that. So with that, I'm I'm in. Thank you. Um, I will, thank you. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure I can go, but I want to be, want to be respectful and not abuse my co-host powers. Hey everybody, it's Victoria W. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for, thank you to, um, Brian, Zach, Tamara, Yvonne, uh, 
Eliana, uh, Roberto, everyone who's agreed to do service at this meeting, everyone who's attending this meeting. Um, what I love about this meeting so far, well, many, many things, um, but I don't have the exact same story that the speakers shared, but I identify so closely with a lot of a lot of things that were shared about this step and why this step is so precious to me. Um, I identified a lot with the idea of not, uh, don't forget, it's not a five-step program, it's a 12-step program. I had to remind myself it wasn't a three-step program because I came in an atheist, y'all. So when I was here, when I, you know, I was an atheist saying I was an agnostic because it felt a little too hard to say that I was an atheist out loud. But now looking back, I'm like, yeah, that's what it was. And I was like, so step two felt like, oh, I found the answer now. I think I'm done. And it's like, no. <laughs> and then I felt that way with step three. I felt that way with step five. I felt that way with step nine, you know. Um, but we've got to keep going. We've got to keep going and practice these principles in all of our affairs to obtain true recovery. Um, I also identified with, um, I was bullied a lot as a young kid. And I never, I don't think I actually realized how painful some of those stories were. I think I had just either disassociated from them or told them like self-deprecating funny stories. But then when I started sharing them, I mean, one girl picked me up by my ears in the schoolyard. And it's like, when I tell people that they're like, oh my God, how painful. And I'm like, no, it wasn't that bad. It was, it was terrible. It was humiliating. I mean, it was just so humiliating. Um, and that was only when I was like six or seven. Um, and there were a bunch of more things like that where I felt unlovable. I felt like something was wrong with me. And I felt like, you know, girls would pretend to be my friends and then make fun of me behind their backs. And it wouldn't take me that long to figure it out that they were just pretending to be my friend. And so I really identified with this behavior of as soon as somebody gave me half of a half of a glimpse into them, maybe not being on my side, they were cut off by I I'm going to hate you before you hate me. And I didn't want to look at my part. Um, I wasn't considering myself an active victim because I just tried not to think about that part of my life. And I see I'm running out of time. I'm going to wrap this up, Yvonne, I promise. But I, what I had to look at was my part. It was not my fault that that happened to me. It was not my fault that those people did that to me. They were wrong. Do I, they were also children, you know, but they were wrong to do that to me. It did hurt me. My part is that in adulthood, I carried that behavior where I'm no longer in danger and I treat people in that same way. And that was what talking out my fifth step with a sponsor who had experience around looking for our part um, was so, so helpful and helped me turn, have compassion towards myself and turn that to gratitude for that experience so I could grow from it and recover. So with that, I will pass. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Victoria. Deb, go right ahead. Hello, uh, my name's Debbie, and I'm from Australia. Hello, and it's um, sorry about that. I um, this is my second meeting. I've been to when I say that I've came into 
12 step when I was 24 and I'm nearly 60. So I've been to many meetings, but um, this meeting I felt immediately comfortable in um, compared to some of the other meetings I've been looking at. Um, I felt the compassion and I felt the strength and I felt the love and that's how my recovery is. Uh, thank goodness I have been abstinent for about four months, I think, now. Um, sorry, and I know it's a step meeting and I'll get to that. I have been through the steps so I'm going to go through again. Um, my step five, I did have to make some verbal um, amends to people, particularly my mum and some other people, and the rest of it has been living amends, you know, because when my three boys were young, I was in the disease and I tried my best, but I really was a very miserable, unhappy, depressed, tortured person living with this disease. Um, yeah, so, and I continue to make daily amends um, to the people in my life because I feel happy today and I'm, you know, I feel free as long as I do the work in the program each day. I also made amends and I make amends to myself every day. And, you know, that's very important to me because I am my own best friend today and I have to be. I love myself. I'm very emotional at the moment because Brian, oh, sorry. It really touched me and my heart goes out to you and anyone on the meeting who suffered that sort of pain. I did experience an attempted rape when I was 15, but thank God it was a one, it was one thing and I, I did deal with it. But I just really uh, applaud your honesty, Brian, and your recovery. I think you're amazing and I really look forward to joining this group and, and being a part of it because I really feel like I'm at home. So thank you for letting me share. I don't see any hands up at the moment. So anyone who would like to share, just throw your hand up and you've, you're at the front of the queue. Kelsey, go right ahead. Hey guys, I'm Kelsey, compulsive reader. Brian, that was beautiful. Um, and what is sticking with me is you shared very clearly that if you don't divulge everything in your fifth step, that you will eat again. And man, I for. 18 years, I tried to not divulge everything. And I, I picked up again and again and again. Um, and I was finally willing to take out everything um, this last time. And it just feels like this boulder that's been sitting on my chest that allowed my heart to beat. Um, but I couldn't live like I wasn't living. Um, I just was 
surviving. Um, and it feels so good to be so honest and to just let someone in entirely. And as you were talking, um, it just made me reflect on, you know, I don't want to compare my experience to yours, but just like the, the self created imprisonment that I have experienced my whole life of not feeling worthy or worth it or valued or anything. And that is, I mean, that's why I kept picking back up because I didn't want to feel those things. I didn't want to deal with them. I didn't want to, I just didn't want to feel uncomfortable and inadequate and all of those things. And I'm, I'm on step 12, um, for the first time in my life and took me 18 years to get here. So it's like a year and a half average and I wasn't even in here all 18 years, but I'm here right now. And it's, it's the greatest form of self-love I can, I I've ever shown myself. Um, and I just, anyone who's in the food, like it's not that far away from me. So if you need to be reminded, please call me. I'll put my number in the chat, but there really is a new freedom and a new happiness that is available. And I've lived on the outskirts for 18 years and you don't have to live there. You don't have to be there. You, you can recover and you can be free. Um, so with that, I'll pass. Thanks.